0: Uh, am I on your mic? You're
1: still there. <laughs> All right. we right, now?
0: We're, we're in. We're going. We're squeezing one of these in. Uh, we've got about 45 minutes until Molly's nine eleven stew is done and Molly has a meeting that she needs to hop on.
1: I will have to excuse myself at one point to put some carrots in the stew. Okay, great. So let's jump right in. Hal's at a meeting. Yes. Uh, he, he doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Yes. Let's find out what the fuck is going on. Uh, there's a man who's who's crying. And and They're all holding
0: teddy bears, yes.
1: Hal sits with his leg crossed, good ankle on knee, and joggles his white high top and looks at his calloused thumb and listens to the Kevin guy sob and snuffle. The guy wipes his nose with the heel of his hand, just like the littler buddies at ETA. Hal figures that tears and bears have something to do with giving up drugs, and that the meeting is probably on the verge of coming around to talking explicitly about drugs and how to give up drugs for a certain period without feeling indescribably wretched and bereft, or maybe at least some data on how long white one might expect the wretchedness of giving up drugs to continue before the old nervous system and salivary glands return to normal. Even though inner infant sounds uncomfortably close to Dr. Dolores Rusk's dreaded inner child, Hal'd be willing to bet that here it's some sort of shorthand narcotics anonymous sobriquet for like limbic component of the CNS or the part of our cortex that's not utterly wretched and bereft without the drugs that up to now have been pulling us through the day secretly or some affirming, encouraging thing like that. Hal wills himself to stay objective and not form any judgments before he has serious data, hoping desperately for some sort of hopeful feeling to emerge. The diglobular leader has made a cage of his hands and rested his hands on his teddy bear's head and is breathing slowly and evenly, watching Kevin kindly from under the blonde eyebrows, looking more than anything like some sort of Buddha as California surfer dude. The leader inhales gently and says, The energies I'm feeling in the group are energies of unconditional love and acceptance for Kevin's inner infant. Nobody else says anything, and the leader doesn't seem to need anybody to say anything. He looks down at the cage his hands have made on the bear and keeps subtly changing the shape of the cage. The guy, Kevin, whose neck is now not only beet red, but shiny with embarrassed sweat between his shirt collar and hair's hem, sobs even harder at the affirmation of love and support. The round leader's high, hoarse voice had the same bland, uh, blandly kind didactic quality as Rusk's, as if always speaking to a not-too-bright child. After some more cage play and deep breathing, the leader looks up and around and nods at nothing and says, maybe we could all name our feelings right now for Kevin and share how much we're caring for him and his inner infant right now in his pain. Various bearded, cross-legged guys speak up. I love you, Kevin. I'm not judging you, Kevin. (laughs) Know just how you and the I-I feel. I'm feeling really close to you. I'm feeling a lot of love for you right now, Kevin. You're crying for two, guy. (laughs) <laughs> Kevin, 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 <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> I'm not feeling like your crying is one bit unmanly or pathetic, fella. It's at this point that Howe begins to truly lose his willed objectivity and open-mindedness and to get a bad personal feeling about this Narcotics Anonymous NA meeting, which seems already deeply underway and isn't one bit like he's imagined an even remotely hopeful anti-drug meeting would be like. It seems more like some kind of cosmetic psychology encounter thing. Uh, not one substance or symptom of substance deprivation has been mentioned so far. None of these guys look like they've ever been engaged with anything more substantial than an occasional wine cooler, if you had to guess. <laughs> Hal's grim mood deepens as the round man up front now leans precariously over and down and opens a sort of toy box under the blackboard by his chair and produces a cheap, portable, plastic CD laser scanner and sets it on top of the toy box, where it begins to issue a kind of low, treacly, ambient shopping mall music, mostly cello, with sporadic harps and chimes. The stuff spreads through the hot little room like melted butter, and Hal (laughs) sinks lower in his orange chair and looks hard at the space and aircraft emblem on his NASA glass. Kevin, the leader says over the music. Kevin? The sobbing man's hand lies over his face like a spider, and he doesn't even start to look up until the leader has said several times, very blandly and kindly, Kevin, do you feel okay about looking at the rest of the group? Kevin's red neck wrinkles as he looks up at the blonde leader through his fingers. The leader's made the cage again on his poor bear's squashed head. Can you share what you're feeling, Kevin? He says. Can you name it? Kevin's voice is muffled by the hand he hides behind. I'm feeling my inner infant's abandonment and deep deprivation issues, Harv, he says, drawing shuddering breaths. His mauve sweater's shoulders tremble. I'm feeling my inner infant standing, holding the bars of his crib and looking out of the bars <laughs> bars of his crib and crying for his mommy and daddy to come hold him and nurture him. Kevin sobs twice in an apneated way. One arm holds his laps bare so tight, Hal thinks he can see a little stuffing start to come out of its mouth around its tongue and a stalactite of that clear, thin, weepy-type mucus hangs from Kevin's nose just millimeters over the throttled bear's head. And nobody's coming, he sobs. Nobody's coming. I feel alone with my bear and plastic airplane mobile and teething ring. Everyone's nodding in an affirming and pained way. No two beards are exactly the same fullness and design. A couple other sobs break out across the room. Everyone's bear stares blankly ahead.
0: I just want to point out that both Infinite Jest and um, Fight Club, the book... Support groups, yeah. Yeah. The same year. Mm-hmm.
1: So, Fight Club was 99, Infinite just was 96. But the book.
0: Didn't. Oh, the Fight Club.
1: Oh, the book Fight Club, right. Yeah. 96,
0: same year. So, mm-hmm. you know.
1: A, a lot we, had a, going, we had a man problem in the '90s. Yes,
0: a lot going on. I I would argue we still do. It's still <laughs> we do. It's all these people, all these guys wrote all this literature uh, about this stuff, being like, "Hey, something is um, rotten in the soul of manliness." Uh, yeah. That that should probably be looked at. Yeah. And we did a whole bunch of all these Gen X guys, and then we did a whole bunch. Oh, uh, you know, also uh, American Psycho, probably around this this mm-hmm. time, right? Yeah. Uh, we did all this literature about it and it was all like, you know, hip and cool and being like, wow, these guys really nailed something. The Zeitgeist better not do anything about that for 20 years and see where it goes. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, uh, the narrator from Fight Club would be Lovingness.
1: Yes. I am Kevin's exploding bear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the leader's nod is slow and meditative. And can you share your needs with the group right now, Kevin? Please share, Kevin, says a slim guy over by a black filing cabinet who sits like he's a veteran at sitting Indian-style in hard plastic chairs. The music's still going, going absolutely nowhere, like Philip Glass on Quaaludes. (laughs) Sounds great. The work we're here to do, the leader says, over the music, one hand now pressed pensively to the side of his big face, is to work on our dysfunctional passivity and tendency to wait silently for our inner infant's needs to be magically met. The energy I feel in the group now is that the group is supportively asking Kevin to nurture his inner infant by naming and sharing his needs out loud with the group. And I'm feeling how aware we all are, how risky and vulnerable need naming out loud must feel for Kevin right now. Everybody looks deadly serious. A couple guys are rubbing their bear's bellies pregnantly. <clears throat> the only really infantile thing Hal can feel inside him is the inguinal gurgle of two heavy bran muffins swallowed at high speeds without liquid. Oh, God. The string of mucus from Kevin's nose trembles and swings. The slender guy who'd ask Kevin please to share is now waggling the arms of his teddy bear in an infantile way. Hal feels a wave of nausea flood his mouth with fresh saliva. We're asking you to name what your inner infant wants right now more than anything in the world, the leader sang saying to Kevin. To be loved and held, Kevin Keens <laughs> sobbing harder. His lacrimucus is now a thin silver string joining his nose and the fuzzy top of his bear's head. The bear's expression is seeming creepier to Hal by the second. Hal wonders what the etiquette is in N.A. about getting up and leaving right in the middle of somebody's infantile revelation of need. Meanwhile, Kevin is saying that his inner infant inside him had always hoped that someday his mom and dad would be there for him to hold him and love him. He says, but right from the start, they'd never been there for him, leaving him and his brother with Hispanic nannies while they devoted themselves to their jobs and various types of psychotherapy and support groups. This takes a while to say, given all the snuffles and racked spasms. <laughs> then Kevin says, but by the time he was eight, they were gone altogether, dead, smushed by a dysfunctionally falling radio traffic helicopter on the Jamaica way. Oh,
0: God damn it. On the way to couples council. <laughs> We've heard about this before, right? Yes. Uh, I, have no, I have, have no recollection of the exact context of it. But we'll, uh, we'll,
1: uh, Yeah, we'll explain. Okay, great. At this, Hal's slumped head jerks up, his mouth oval with horror. He's all of a sudden realized that this guy who's seated at such an angle that Hal's been able to see only the obliquest portion of his profile is in fact Kevin Bain, his brother Oren's old ETA doubles and chemical mischief partner Marlon Bain's older brother Kevin Bain of Dedham, Massachusetts who the last Hal had heard had gotten his MBA at Wharton and cleaned up with a string of simulated reality arcades all up and down the South Shore (laughs) back during the pre-subsidized time simulated reality craze before interlaced viewers and digital cartridges let you do your own customized simulating right at home and the novelty wore off. Which takes us to end note um, 336. Sorry, I've got to turn.
0: I'm, uh, she, the, the, the bookmark was on the wrong page. We're going on the, so he was like, uh, yeah.
1: According to his suit, suit, oh God, pseudoriferous, pseudoriferous and agora compulsive younger brother M. Bane. Okay.
0: So he was like, uh, he was like the guy who was doing like, uh, does anybody remember Game Boy VR? (laughs) Uh, they had that for a second. There was like a VR Nintendo, like, pre-Nintendo 64 uh, that you could play like tennis in. Oh. um, That was like a round. This was like around and and it's maybe potentially something that, uh, you know, David Foster Wallace would have seen in like the KB Toys. Yeah. Oh God, uh, KB Toys. Way before any of these, uh, you know, meta, which somehow 20 years, 25 years later does not look Still didn't it out. Yeah, real embarrassing. Legs coming soon. Well, not that soon, now that they just laid off like 11,000 people. They laid
1: off the leg division entirely. <laughs> We're shipping uh.
0: legs to China. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
1: Uh, back to the text. The Kevin Bain, whose childhood hobby was memorizing IRS ca- capital depreciation schedules and whose adult idea of a wild time... Uh, oh, wait. Oh, shit. Sorry. I fucked up the end notes. The first one was except, of course, for a certain hardwired type of pornography and onanistic sex addict, which has given rise to a couple exceptionally icky step based follow fellowships. Uh, wait, what did that have? Oh, the novelty wore off. Oh, okay. of simulated things. Yes. So, and then this one was according to his brother at bay, Okay, great. There we go. Back to the text. Had been putting extra marshmallows in his nightly cocoa, and who wouldn't have known a recreational drug if it walked up and poked him in the eye, Hal begins to scan for possible exits. The only door was the one he'd come in, which is in full view of most of the room. There are no windows at all. <laughs> Hal's chilled by multiple realizations. This is no NA or anti-substance meeting. This is one of those men's issues, men's movement type meetings KD Coyle's stepdad went to, and Coyle liked to mimic and parody during drills, making his stick's grip poke out between his legs and yelling, Nurture this! Honor getting in touch with this! (laughs) Oh, God. Kevin Bain is wiping his nose with his poor teddy bear's head and saying it didn't look like his inner infant would ever get its wish. The gooey music's cello sounds like some sort of cow mooing in distress, maybe at what it's in the middle of. Sure enough, the round man, whose hands left a print on his soft cheek, asks poor old Kevin Bain to honor and name his eyes' wounded wish anyway, to say, please, Mommy and Daddy, come love and hold me, out loud several times, which Kevin Bain goes ahead and does, rocking a little in his chair, his voice now with an edge of good old adult mortified embarrassment to it, along with the racking sobs. A couple of the other men in the room are wiping at their bright white drug-free eyes with the arms of their teddy bears. Hal is painfully reminded of the rare Ziplocs of Humboldt County hydroponic marijuana that Pemulus occasionally scored via FedEx from his mercantile counterpart at the Rolling Hills Academy. The curved... (laughs) What?
0: <laughs> Just the network of, of tennis academy uh we- drug weed
1: sales. My my across the hall roommate in college used to send he lived in California and he would send himself weed in the mail, which was cool of him. So cool. <laughs> uh Brave. the curved tawny buds, so big and plump with high delta nine resin, uh the zip. Early Delta 9, you know, right, sorry to interrupt, but right now in New York, we're in a weird gray area of legality of weed, like, we don't have Mm -hmm. official dispensaries, but every bodega is just now just selling it, and Delta 9 has to be invoked because Delta 8 was the thing last year. Yes.
0: Delta 9. Delta 9.
1: Delta 9. Uh, Resin, the Ziplocs had looked like little bags of, (laughs) bags of little teddy bear arms. The moist sounds right behind him turn out to be a mild-faced older man eating yogurt out of a plastic cup. Hal keeps rechecking the meeting data in the little MBRO booklet the girl had given him. He notes that the booklet has broad chocolate thumbprints on several of the pages and that two pages are stuck firmly together with what Hal fears is an ancient dried booger, and now that the booklet's cover is dated January in the year of dairy products from the American heartland, i.e. nearly two years past, and that it's not impossible that the blandly hostile toothless girl at the Ennett facility had ker him by giving him a dated <laughs> and useless MBRO guide. Uh, I hate getting ker-twanged. Me too. Kevin Bang keeps repeating, please mommy and daddy, come love me and hold me in a kind of monotone of pathos. The gradually intensifying lisp in please is apparently a performative invocation of the old inner infant. Tears and other fluids flow and roll. The warm round leader harves own eyes are a moist glassy blue. The CD scanner's cello is now into some sort of semi-jazzy pizzicato stuff that seems oxymoronic against the room's mood. Hal keeps catching whiffs of a hot, sick, sweet, civity smell that signifies somebody near, uh, nearby has some athlete's foot issues to confront under his socks. Plus, it's mystifying that 32A has no windows, given all the smoky brown fenestration Hal'd seen from outside the QRS cube. The man eating yogurt's beard is one of those small rectangular ones that's easy to keep clear of the cup's rim the back and side of Kevin Bain's hair has separated into spiky, sweat-soaked strands from the room's heat and the infant's emotions. (laughs) All through his own infancy and toddlerhood, Hal had continually been held and dandled and told at high volume that he was loved, and he feels like he could have told K. Bain's inner infant that getting held and told you were loved didn't automatically seem like it rendered you emotionally whole or (laughs) substance-free. Hal finds he rather envies a man who feels he has something to explain his being fucked up parents to blame it on. Not even Pemulus blamed his late father, Mr. Pemulus, who hadn't exactly sounded like the Fred McMurray of U.S. fathers, but then Pemulus didn't consider himself fucked up or unfree W slash R slash D substances. The blonde and Boudic cable-knit Harve, dandling his bear on his knee now, calmly asks Kevin Bain if it ever feels to his inner infant like mommy and daddy were ever going to appear crib-side to meet his needs. No, Kevin says very quietly. No, it doesn't, Harve, The leader is idly arranging his bear's splayed arms in different positions, so it looks like the bear's either waving or surrendering. Do you suppose you'd be able to ask someone in the group here tonight to love you and hold you instead, Kevin? The back of Kevin Bain's head doesn't move. Hal's whole digestive tract spasms at the prospect of watching two bearded adult males in sweaters and socks engage in surrogate infant hugging. He begins asking himself, why doesn't he just fake a hideous coughing fit and flee QRS-32A with his fist over his face? Harv's now waggling the bear's arms back and forth and making his voice high and cartoon character-ish, and pretending to have his bear ask Kevin Bain's bear if it would maybe point to the man in the group Kevin Bain would most like to have hold and nurture and love him in loco parentis. <laughs> Hal's spitting quietly down the side of his glass and brooding wretchedly at the fact that he's driven 50 supperless clicks to listen to a globular man in plaid socks uh, pretend his teddy bear is speaking Latin when he looks up from the glass and is chilled to see that Kevin Bain has wiggled his Indian-style way around in his chair and is holding his bear way up by its underarms, just the way a father's holds a, t- a toddler up for a public spec op or parade, turning the throttled-looking bear this way and that, scanning the room, as Hal covers part of his face, oop, uh, it's time for me to put the carrots in the stew. Would you be able to vamp while I do this? Yeah, or I could possibly pause Or do you want to put the carrots in? Uh, yeah, sure. Just put uh, the carrots in the stew? The, the lid. Gently plop all the carrots in. Give it a good stir. Give a little scrape in case there's been some buildup at, at the, the bottom. bottom. Okay, great. Uh And uh then recover it again. Thanks, man. So should I just keep going as you're... All right, where did I go? Um As Hal covers part of his face with a hand, pretending to scratch an eyebrow, praying not to be recognized and finally manipulating the bear's arm so the plump, brown, fuzzy, fingerless hand of the bear is pointing right in Hal's direction. Hal doubles over in a coughing spasm, only half-faked, running decision trees on various ruses for flight. Just like his younger brother Marlon Bain, Kevin Bain is a short, thick person with a dark, swart face. He looks sort of like an overdeveloped troll. And he has the same capacity for constant, incredible sweating that always made Marlon Bain look to Hal, both on court and off, like a toad, hunched, moist and unblinking in humid shade. Except Kevin Bain's little glittery Bain eyes are also red and swollen from public weeping. And he's balding back from the temples in a way that gives him a widow's peak like nobody's business and doesn't seem to recognize everything go okay in there.
0: All right. Slight stew bungle, but we're back in.
1: You had a stew emergency that I'm not going to emotionally recover from. I'm like Harry Styles in that movie, "Don't Worry, Darling," when he's trying to cook. <laughs> um, I should just go to the um, the fake job all day in the desert. Anyway, um, where the fuck am I? Oh, he's looking not at Hal, but at the mild-faced, square-bearded, older guy behind him who's holding a spoon of vividly pink yogurt in front of his bear's open mouth, just touching its protruding tongue's red corduroy, Mm -hmm. pretending to be feeding the bear. Um, Hal very casually puts the NASA glass between his legs and gets both hands under his chair seat and hops the chair bit by bit over and out of the lines of sight and transit between Kevin Bain and the yogurt man. Harve up front is making a complex hand signal to the yogurt man not to speak or move from his back row orange chair no matter what. And then as Kevin Bain wriggles cross-legged back around to face front again, Harve smoothly turns the hand signal into a motion like he's smoothing his hair. The motion then becomes sincere and ruminative as the leader breathes de- deeply a couple times. The music's settled back into its original nodding narcosis. Kevin, Harv says, since this is a group exercise in passivity and inner infant needs, and since you've selected Jim as the member of the group you need something from, we need you to ask Jim out loud to meet your needs. Ask him to come up and hold you and love you since your parents aren't ever coming. (laughs) Not ever, Kevin. Kevin Bain makes a mortified sound and reclamps a hand over his big, swart face. Go for it, Kev, somebody over near the Bly poster calls out. We affirm and support you, says the guy by the filing cabinet. Hal now starts scrolling through an alphabetical list of the faraway places he'd rather be right now. He's not even up to Addis Ababa when Kevin Bain acquiesces and begins very softly and hesitantly asking the mild-faced Jim, who's put aside his yogurt but not the bear, to please come up and love him and hold him. By the time Howes envisioned himself tumbling over American Falls at the concavity's southwest rim in a rusty old noxious waist displacement drum, Kevin Bain has asked Jim 11 progressively louder times to come nurture and hold him to no avail. The older guy just sits there, clutching his yogurt-tongued bear, his expression somewhere between mild and blank. Hal has never actually seen projectile weeping before. Bane's tears are actually exiting his eyes and projecting outward several centimeters before starting to fall. His facial expression is the scrunched spread one of a small child's total woe, his neck cords standing out and face darkening so that it looks like some sort of huge catcher's mitt. A bright cape of mucus hangs from his upper lip, and his lower lip seems to be having some kind of epileptic fit. Hal finds the tantrum's expression on an adult face sort of compelling. At a certain point, hysterical grief becomes facially indistinguishable from hysterical mirth, it appears. Hal imagines watching Bane weep on a white beach through binoculars from the balcony of a cold, dim Aruban hotel room. (laughs) He's not coming! Kevin Bane finally keens to the leader. Harv the leader nods, scratching an eyebrow, and confirms that seems to be the case. He pretends to stroke his imperial in puzzlement and asks rhetorically what might be the problem, why mild-faced Jim isn't automatically coming when called. Kevin Baines now just about vivisecting his poor bear out of mortified frustration. He seems deeply into his infant persona now, and Hal rather hopes these guys have procedures for getting Bane at least back to 16 before he has to try to drive home. (laughs) At some point, a timpani had gotten involved in the CD's music and a rather saucy cornet, and the music (laughs) finally started moving a little toward what's either a climax or the end of the disc. By now, various men in the group have started crying out to Kevin Bain that his inner infant wasn't getting its needs met, that sitting there passively asking for nurture to get up and come to him wasn't getting the needs met, and that Kevin owed it to his inner infant to come up with some sort of active way to meet the infant's needs. Somebody shouted out, honor that infant. Somebody else called, meet those needs. Hal is mentally strolling down the Appian Way in bright Euro sunlight, eating a cannoli, twirling his Dunlop rackets by the throats like six-shooters, enjoying the sunshine and cranial silence and a normal salivary flow. Pretty soon, the men's supportive exhortations have distilled into everybody in the room except Harv, Jim, and Hal chanting, Meet those needs! Meet those (laughs) needs! In the same male crowd exhortative meter as hold that line or block that kick. Kevin Bain wipes his nose on his sleeve and asks humongous Harv, the leader what he's supposed to do to get his infant's needs met if the person he's chosen to meet those needs won't come. The leader has folded his hands over his belly and sat back by this time, smiling, cross-legged, holding his tongue. His bear sits atop the protrusion of belly with its blunt little legs straight out, the way you'll see a bear sitting on a shelf. It seems to Hal that the O2 in 32A is now getting used up at a ferocious clip. Not at all like the cool, sheep-scented breezes of Ascension Island in the South Atlantic. The men in the room are still chanting, Meet those needs! What you're saying is I need to actively go over to Jim myself and ask him to hold me? Kevin Bain says, grinding at his eyes with his knuckles. The leader smiles blandly. Instead of your saying passively trying to get Jim to come to me, says Kevin Bain, whose tears have largely stopped and whose sweat has taken on the clammy shine of true fear sweat. Harv emerges as one of those people who can heft one eyebrow and not the other. It would take real courage and love and commitment to your inner infant to take the risk and go actively over to somebody that might give you what your infant needs, he says quietly. The CD player has at some point shifted into an all cello instrumental of I don't know how to love him from an old opera Lyle sometimes borrowed people's players and listened to at night in the weight room. What's that from? I
0: don't know how to love him.
1: Uh, Whatever. Uh, That's not the Phantom, is it? Maybe? Maybe? Lyle and Marlon Bain had been particularly tight, Hal recalls. The trimeter of the men's chant has reduced to a one-foot, low-volume, needs, 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 as Kevin Bain slowly and hesitantly uncrosses his legs and rises from his orange chair, turning to face Hal and the motionless guy behind him, this Jim.
0: It is, of course, from Jesus Christ Superstar.
1: Oh, of course, yes. I don't know, I don't know how to love him. I don't think that's the right tune. Uh, Bane begins to move slowly toward them with the tortured steps of a mime miming walking against a tornadic gale. Hal's picturing himself doing a lazy backstroke in the Azores, spouting glassy water up out of his mouth in a cytological plume. He's leaning almost out of his chair, as far as possible out of Kevin Bain's line of transit, studying the brown suspension in the bottom of his glass. His prayer not to be recognized by a regressive Kevin Bain is the first really desperate and sincere prayer Hal can remember offering since he'd stopped wearing pajamas with feet in them. Kevin, Harv calls softly from the front of the room, is it you moving actively toward Jim, or should it be the infant inside you, the one with the needs? needs 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 the bearded men are chanting some rhythmically raising their manicured fists in the air bane's looking back and forth between harv and jim chewing his finger indecisively is this how an infant moves toward its needs kevin harv says go for it kevin a full bearded man calls out let the infant out let your infant do the walking kev So Hal's most vivid, full-color memory of the non-anti-substance meeting he drove 50 over-salivated clicks to, by mistake, will become that of his older brother's double partner's older brother, down on all fours on a dacronil rug, crawling, hampered because one arm was holding his bear to his chest, so he sort of dipped and rose as he crawled on three limbs toward Hal and the needs meter behind him, Bane's knees leaving twin pale tracks in the carpet and his head up on a wobbly neck, and looking up and past Hal, his face unspeakable. <laughs> needs, needs, needs. Needs, needs,
0: needs. Uh, giant infants.
1: Yes, giant infants, big babies. Yes. Totally.
0: Uh it's one, one of the one of the predominant symbols of this book. Big big baby. Big babies wandering the land. What are you gonna do with them?
1: Bigfoot is blurry. There's a bl- out of focus monster roaming the countryside. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do with these big babies? Yes. Have a big big abortion. Uh have
0: you got to put them all in a, ro- a room and have them father, parent each other. <laughs> I guess.
1: Yeah, it's I don't know if he's trying to make a distinction between like the realness of AA and the like grotesqueness of like any other type of like support. Well I was group. gonna
0: say that even like even from what else we've seen through the rest of this book is that uh Hal's gonna have to get his heart much more open uh to if he want if he wants to uh work the program.
1: Yeah. I think the problem is just he's not, you know, not not the right he's gotta talk to people who do the substances. Yes. Uh Hal's needs were, were met as an infant and look what happened to him. Yes, exactly he's addicted to weed weeds 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 weeds.
0: weeds, weeds. needs needs (laughs) his face unspeakable yeah um
1: that trap that uh, helicopter crash it was the traffic helicopter which um lateral alice moore was in uh and because she used to be she used to do the traffic mm -hmm. whatever news and then it made her lateral and now she's at eta
0: even though the very wreck killed the parent of an ETA. Yeah, never. I think because
1: the uh, helicopter seemed to land directly on the car that they were in. Yes. I don't know if this was the same car accident that... um Ah, oh shit. Whose mom won... Pe- Randy Lenz's mom was in a, a bus... um and was using the bathroom and then, like, there was a bus accident. Yes, I that seem to remember the,
0: the, the helicopter crashes coming from one of those lens uh, chapters. Yeah, it's
1: all, it's all just, you know, um, uh, driving in Boston sucks. <laughs>
0: yes. Uh, and <laughs> and there just aren't that many people in Boston. They're all, yeah,
1: they're all, yeah, everyone knows One everybody. traffic accident,
0: you know, affects mm-hmm. half a dozen characters from this book. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, do we suspect that the this support group is purely from uh, losing a parent or is it just other kinds of uh, adult, adult?
1: Just anyone who didn't, you know, their uh, fi- f- inner child needs some some work.
0: Adult needers of nurture?
1: Yes. But healing your inner child is a big TikTok uh, mental health buzzword. Really? I, that feels
0: like a very 90s idea A lot of think.
1: 90s stuff is coming back, just filtered through literally a filter. Inner, uh, inner, they're
0: talking about inner children. They are inner children.
1: What, what do you mean? The TikTok? They're just kids. regular children. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, it is kind of funny having like a twenty-five-year-old be like, "I am healing my inner child." I am like, "You were, you were just, just yes, a child. you were just there." You think you weren't, but yes. that's the drama of being twenty-five. Is it that is you think true. You're, you aren't a, a baby, and you are still just leaving babydom. My life
0: as a twenty-five-year-old inner child.
1: Your brain, your brain is still hasn't formed until it's twenty-five. Uh, you yeah, can't date you anyone, to have four. sex, or do anything <laughs> until you're 25. Until you're 25. That's my; those are my rules. Yes. Boy, oh, uh, the whoever watching on tennis, that guy's got some stems, some on some gams. Yeah.
0: Do you think that's a, that's a rude? The Norwegian. Or
1: Berrettini. He looks.
0: I'm going to go. With, I'm
1: going to go with Italian because he doesn't. His coloring isn't the most Nordic, and that guy's.
0: Oh yeah, a bit you're more right. That guy, that guy Matteo right. Berrettini. Casper Rude. Caspar rude rude. um, I know we kind of peeled through this section. I'm not sure if I have that much more to discuss. yeah, I, I feel
1: to... like we talked when we were midway, we kind of talked to most about it, and I want to see if I need to triage the stew before I get on my call.
0: All right, so I'm sorry for th- not that much <laughs> discussion going on here um, and also for our slipping off normal schedule. I know it's been happening uh, the last few weeks, both for this program <laughs> and uh Chapo. Uh, but that's what happens when we go on tour. Things get disrupted. It takes a little bit to get back into the rhythm. Sure. Of it. Um. But yes, support groups. <laughs> a lot. Of, a lot of men. We all th- need support. Let a lot of men thinking about those thinking about that support in yeah. the nineties. We need support. Is it something? About, is it an object of ridicule? Is it something absolutely necessary? Who can say?
1: Who can say? I mean, that's, yeah, certainly the traditional therapy in this case, which is Dolores Rusk. No one likes her and she doesn't yes. seem to be very good at her
0: job. I mean, also, like, Fight Club is basically about finding a uh, men's therapy group that works.
1: It's true. Just hitting each other. You're just hitting These each other. These men need to start a Fight Club. Yes.
0: Maybe they maybe they would feel maybe better. Maybe
1: instead of healing their inner child, they need to... Um, yes. Yes. Uh, punch each other and listen to loud music.
0: Or, uh, you know... Maybe they need to get into a mosh pit. Start a concerted uh, effort of uh, domestic terrorism.
1: Look at this. I'm holding right now the book. There's not that much book in there.
0: I mean, no. that It's like a novella left, right?
1: Yeah, it looks like... um, I don't know. I can't name a novella right now.
0: For a dollar, name a novella. Uh-oh. <laughs> no. No. Sorry, I don't think so I don't know any novellas off the top of my head.
1: I can barely, you know. But
0: you all, there's also a bunch of uh... novellas. No, there's also a bunch of footnotes left, right?
1: Not that many. We've all we've also plowed through most of the, the like long. long ones. Yeah, we're really. Oh god, we're really chilling.
0: What like three pages of footnotes? Yes, left? yes. Oh that's
1: wow, that's wild. We ended up on page. Um, Or on EndNote three thirty six, and there's three eighty eight. We have like fifty left.
0: Oh wow! And most of them are like one liners. And most of them are one liners. Wow! We're do we're We're doing it, Joe. We're really doing it, but still. But still, much to go. Yeah, I mean, still like where's dawn? Six months. What the hell is happening with dawn? Five more
1: months of this. Yeah, (laughs) something like that. But that'll be it'll
0: be gone in a second. Wow! Think of how accomplished we'll feel when we have. Potted the entirety of Infinite uh, Jest.
1: I'm calling, as I was gonna say, I'm calling Publishers Weekly. There's some drama at Publishers Weekly that I am aware of, but they, we should they, call no. the fucking Paris. We should call the Paris Review. Hey, uh, so how's Paris? Is Paris any? Is, is, it, Paris, is Paris, good Paris good or not? Any good? Uh, we'll the new freaking Yorker. Well, at least digital throw, edition.
0: We'll at least throw a party for ourselves. I'll throw, yeah, a throw yeah. party
1: with um, uh, you know what, whatever the closest thing we can get to a uh, DMC. <laughs> yes. Just hit doing acid and then doing acid again. Yes. All <laughs> right. It. Okay. Let's go. Take I got to look at stew. my stew. Let's, let's look at the stew. All right. Bye. bye.